0: So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm on with a very, very special guest. I have Coach Franny, who is a parent and family coach and non-ABA behavior consultant, a social emotional learning specialist and founder of Mindfulish Parenting. Hi, Coach Franny. How are you?
1: I'm good, Nicole. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yes. And Boys. You have two boys,
1: two boys. Yeah.
0: Okay. I always like to ask my guests about their children because it plays a role, right? I'm sure. in what you do.
1: And two adult stepchildren.
0: That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. I remember from last time, this is part two guys, but that's okay. Um, tell my listeners, I always start with this. What is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend?
1: Hmm. My favorite book. I'm always reading so many things. Um got caught a little off guard there because I haven't read something in a while. So if I I doesn't right- have
0: to be okay recent, it could be any.
1: Well, one of my favorite books of all time that really started me on my journey mm-hmm. with being a conscious parent or a mindful parent is Easy to Love, Difficult to Discipline by Dr. Becky Bailey. Okay. Um, It is a parenting book. It's an oldie but goodie. Okay. And there are so many beautiful lessons in there. And my favorite part is the end where there is a program to apply everything that you just learned about into your life in digestible steps.
0: Oh, I love that because then there's action items after reading. Love it. I say, well, we say, we know it takes a village to raise a child, but I say it also takes, and if not most importantly, to uplift a mother. Who and what has been a part of your village?
1: Oh, I have so many people uplifting me in my village. Um, But I'm going to give a lot of credit to my mother, my father, and my ex-mother-in-law. Okay, The three of them, if it were not for them. I don't think I would have been able to raise my children in the way that I wanted to, plus be able to work and do what I love. So they have been my absolute village. They have lifted me up through very hard times. And I feel really blessed that my parents have always taught me and my brother, that you do need a village. And my family is a village, and that also includes my aunt and my uncle, who has now passed. But they believe in the philosophy so much that when I got divorced, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law used to live with wow. me and my ex-husband, and she actually moved in with my parents. Wow. <laughs> so we when I say that we are all a village, we are really a village. But that, I mean, that's
0: so beautiful because I think when you think of like a separation, a divorce, and we can hear traumatic stories of that and how that can go, I've talked to divorce attorneys on here, collaborative divorce that they try to be, and the horror stories that can come from it. Um, So I think that's so beautiful to say, okay, for, I'm sure the kids and even for yourself of like, let's, let's be this village and whether you're, I guess for better or for worse, Yep. you know to come together so that's that's awesome that you had that. okay mindful parenting why don't you talk to me about the inspiration to becoming a fair um, a family and parent coach and what is mindful parenting?
1: Okay so I was a middle school science teacher by degree. I worked in a school for children that had previously been incarcerated or not yet culturally assimilated. We were a stepping stone between their residential treatment facility and the public school system. So I always had a knack for Mm -hmm. those children that were easy to love, but difficult to discipline because I love these kids so much. Mm -hmm. When I had my own first child, um, things were not going the way that I thought he was delicious and wonderful. But when he was 15 months old, I started noticing some different behaviors that he had and they really scared me. Okay. Um, and because they scared me, I became very reactive. I was not able to be that composed person that I was in the classroom, even though there were big behaviors in my classroom something really scared me and i you know as mothers we feel so responsible obviously and we're like what are we going to do and and how is my child going to turn out and how can i help them be the best that they can be so um i needed a parent and family coach Mm -hmm. i found one she is excellent she is still a parent and family coach Mm in miami her name is Mindy Becker, and she introduced me to Conscious Discipline, and I, like, have this image in my mind of her spoon feeding it to me because I was so mentally out of control at the time, um, very afraid. My son was a biter. I was getting a lot of flack from the school. Um My parents at the time were saying, like, try this, do that. I felt like I was disappointing them. I was not agreeing with my former husband on how to handle it. And so here I am trying to breathe and compose myself. And I felt like there was no oxygen in the world. How can I even breathe? So Mindy really coached me. And she changed the trajectory of my life with my children and um, brought conscious discipline into my life. And I said, after that, I really want to learn so much more about this. And I didn't start first as a parent and family coach. My first business was Franny 911. And I was going into homes and into schools and helping adults with Children they found challenging and didn't know how to work with them. Sure. Um, and then how Mindfulish came about because all of that start was almost twenty years ago, and that piece of it I had already been teaching before then. Um, but I have really dedicated my life to learning about behavior.
0: Before you jump into there, because I want to unpack two things. Number one, I'm glad you mentioned what your 15 month old was doing. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, behavior. But listen, my my little guy would be six, but even to go back then, I'm like, huh? This was your oldest, correct? Yes. So a couple of things there. It's your first child. Mm-hmm. So even though you had, and these are for the listeners, I'm trying to paint this picture. So even though you kind of have the tools because you're an educator, you're going, you're dealing with quote unquote difficult, um, and I don't want to label, I know we're talking like the labels with it, but children that maybe had some behavioral things, you know, um, but this is your first child. We all know um, now that I am a mom, physiologically, our bodies change after our children are born, hearing them cry, certain things. But now your child is showing quote unquote, behavioral challenges, but you're also dealing with postpartum. Because it's your first child. So I just wanted to paint that because that's a lot of unpacking of like you saying kind of like, what do I do? And then, and to me, I think is one of the hardest things after we have a child, we have the outside noise, whether from our partners. I mean, I see it actually one of the moms in my um, support groups, we have a WhatsApp chat and she was like, hey, my husband and I are not agreeing about this. You know, um, and I think it's difficult to explain to partners. Like, listen, my intuition is telling me this. I can, I know that this is wrong. This doesn't feel right, even though our parents might have done it with us. So, I want to go back there before because before you jump into the mindfulness aspect of it, and to answer the question of what is conscious discipline for those that don't know, because I think we hear a lot of conscious, aware, mindful, all the things, but tap back into that for any parent listening. What advice would you give if they're in that thick of it and saying, listen, I'm not agreeing with this. My mother in law, I have the outside noise. You know, he's 15 months old, spank him. You know, he shouldn't be biting. How do you consciously discipline a 15 month old? I guess let's unpack that. And that might be hard to, I guess, maybe just make it high level. But like, what were one of the things, I guess, through your experience, did you have to unpack for yourself for you to do that in a conscious way?
1: Yeah. So, the number one thing is learning how to stop and regulate yourself before you do anything with your child. Yes. And conscious discipline is Dr. Becky Bailey's um, body of work. And again, I'm forever grateful for it. And her whole premise is behind conscious discipline is to be aware of Disciplining yourself before you try to work with a child. And how I started to tune out the noise, um, I first of all got a therapist. So besides having a parent and family coach, I also got myself a mental health counselor. I really needed it at the time. I learned to have an assertive voice and not be afraid of other people's opinions either. So I think that, you know, our pendulum can swing. We want, at first we're listening to everything that everybody's saying and we're taking it in and we're internalizing it. We could be imploding. And then sometimes we go the other way and we start exploding. Like, I don't need to hear this from you. I learned to try and find a balance, and I say try and find because it's always a journey. But the balance for me was listening to my intuition and also being able to hear what the other person's concern is or what they're trying to offer, and then taking it and deciding for myself Is this in alignment with me right now, or is it not? And not just making a decision off the bat, because sometimes you have to sit with what somebody else is saying to hear the real message behind it.
0: Yes. And the self-awareness to understand it and break it. But you said something so poignant, even in that statement that you started with, you also had to seek out a therapist. And I think it goes to show the mothers out there, it takes a lot of work. My son, we were just talking before we went on air. My son is, is in kindergarten it's only been three weeks and the transition a little bit more outbursts. Um, how many times he said, mommy, you're the worst mommy ever. Cause I wouldn't let him do something. And he has said it before, but now it's more frequent. So battling with my husband and thankfully he gets it, um, where he might want to be a little bit more, uh, not aggressive, but you know, like, no. And I've, shaking my head. I'm like, no, we need to hug him. We need to regulate. Once he calms down, then we can go back and talk. But it's hard when you're trying to get out the door. So I say all that to say, to be really present, to be a present parent and to do all the things that we know we should do takes so much work and it really takes a village. So now talk about mindfulish Parenting. So you're in this, you have your first child, you're, you're building your village, your true your toolbox. You know, you meet this incredible woman, you have your therapist, you have your other child. So where does the mindful aspect come that you say, okay, I'm going to take this and take this conscious discipline and then make it and apply it to what I want to do in helping families?
1: So I actually did work with conscious discipline as a certified instructor for a long time. And I'm forever grateful for that time. But I also wanted to understand different components of behavior and conscious discipline is brain-based and it's very social, emotionally based. Um, But what I realized is twofold. One, I wanted to learn how to expand my problem-solving conversations with my children and for that, I turn to Dr. Ross Green's Collaborative and Proactive Solutions. I am a provider of his work.
0: Sure.
1: And that is deeply rooted in active listening. It's also um, very proactive. It helps you become proactive as a parent because in that process, when your child's not meeting your expectations, and there's more than two or three expectations they're not meeting. He teaches you to start to write these out as unmet expectations. We're not looking at the behavior. The behavior is just a symptom that says, I'm having difficulty meeting this expectation. And actually, it just made me think because when mothers are unregulated, unre- what
0: is our behavior? We yell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right so oh my gosh it almost made sense of like if for anyone listening if you don't understand what that means think of how you become unregulated when you haven't had whatever it is that your body's telling sleep you. sleep <laughs> gone for a walk and how you become you're irritable you're this and imagine a child who doesn't even know to
1: recognize that exactly okay yes continue so yeah, so I I um, really dove into CPS. That's the Collaborative and Proactive Solutions, and it really helped open up the problem solving conversations in my household, which I'm so grateful for because it's now the way that my children think, and I'm very grateful for that. And it in that collaborative and proactive problem solving you not only learn how to respectfully voice your own concerns, but you also learn that somebody else is also going to have their own concerns about the problem. So it teaches perspective taking. And it's interesting because I find it easier to teach young children about perspective taking than I find it to teach to the parents sometimes. They're like, yeah, but... But if you tell the kid, like, that's this is what mommy and daddy are thinking about when this happens, and they're like, oh, they get it. Um, A lot of times, parents, we want to dismiss it. We're like, no, that's not true, or they never said that before. Um, So there's a lot of perspective taking that happens. And when we're willing to understand that there can be one thing happening and two different perspectives, and we teach our children to communicate with us respectfully and collaboratively to come up with solutions that are realistic. And this is not a compromise. It really covers both parties' concerns. Mm -hmm. It changes the whole dynamic of a relationship.
0: Yeah, and not just parent-child, but spouse your colleagues, a business partner, all the things, because think of it, most of the times when there's issues or conflict, it's because there's a lack of communication. Or as you said, the perspective is shift because you're, or the ego, like, no, it's me, this, this is mine. And you're not listening to the other person's perspective. I can see how a child would, because my son is such an inquisitive child and my husband and I have made a conscious effort, (laughs) no pun intended, to be um, (laughs) like really to answer us truthfully and not dismissing anything. And anytime we give the perspective of like if i'll ask something that we think might be complicated and when we break it down he's like oh okay and run off or if we give a well no because if this happens this he's like oh okay and there's less fighting because we've given as opposed to because i said so it's like well no you can't do that because you can hurt yourself or whatever the aspect is and he's like oh makes sense and then leave it alone so i can see because i think children aren't um goodness, I don't even know. I don't want to say that they're not mind warped, but it's like, yeah, they're young. So they're so open to.
1: They're open. And when we are honest with them, I believe in developmental, honestly, honesty, there's certain things that would not be appropriate to tell a child, but there are ways that you can tell them what's going on and have transparency And I think that one of the things that they resist the most and causes so much conflict when we say something like, because I said so, we are kind of shutting them out and putting a block up and they're feeling that heart wall more than hearing the words. So I think that that's what impacts them. And then, of course, they're like, what's going on? And it causes confusion. They're like, wait, I know you're my safe person. I know you love me, but now you're making this wall. So... Um. Yeah. So, yeah. And then besides CPS, the other thing I started to study was the nervous system and the body. Because I was teaching so many parents about what to do differently. But I learned along the way that if your nervous system is not regulated... Even though you want to think differently, you're not going to be able to sustain that and you're not Mm going to end up acting differently. So I started to study yoga and I was certified through Breathe for Change, which is the only 200 hour yoga certification specifically for people who are social emotional practitioners Mm -hmm. um, in schools and with families. It was an incredible experience. And I started bringing that into my practice. And then I'm like, wait, I still need something more. And then I found what I call the missing link. I'm not the only person who calls it that, but it's primary reflex work. Okay. And I study two bodies of that. I um, study MNRI, muscatova neurosensory motor reflex integration. I know it's a mouthful but it's these little reflexes. Um, Oh, and the second one is reflex integration through play. But just quickly what the reflexes are about. Um, We have these primary natural reflexes that unfold when we are in utero. We go through certain movements when we're in utero. We, it help these reflexes help with the birthing process. When we're born, these reflexes are online and they're here for the first year of life to help us survive, but they're meant to integrate and they're meant to turn into more dynamic reflexes and different higher functioning parts of the brain and body system. Mm -hmm. And what I have learned through my experience, many children that I work with that have challenging behavior actually have retained reflexes. They didn't integrate and there's a whole slew of symptoms and behaviors that you'll see that correspond to different reflexes that have not integrated. So without going off on more of a yeah. tangent than that, I'm going to bring it back sure. to mindfulish. So mindfulish is kind of my quilt of knowledge, right? So it started as an educator. I actually also have other pieces of the quilt. Sure and I highlighted some of them here today, but Mindful-ish is taking all of that knowledge and all of that experience. And what I learned is that no matter what these beautiful practices and programs are that you learn about, a lot of times parents and teachers, because I work with teachers too, we hear this beautiful theory But then when we try to take the action steps, if they don't go the way that they sounded like in the workshop or read in the book or heard a podcast or saw a reel about, we think we failed or we think this is not for us and we give up. So my whole thing is we can all be a mindful parent, a mindful educator. We can live mindfully, but let's be ish about it. And that's mindful ish.
0: I love that. As you're talking, I'm like, I wanted to write the notes to continue because you had so much information that you gave there. But one of the things I want to take from that is you had mentioned um, the nervous system and I guess we can go off, but I guess the beautiful part about that to your point is that you're like, okay, well, we have the consciousness aspect and yes, we know that we can, we're not regulating all the things, but I don't think we do talk about enough the nervous system. Actually, are you familiar with Dr. BG Mancini? I'm not. I need to connect you with her. So she's all about the brain and gut. Um, she actually has the Brain and Gut Institute, I think Plantation, um, She's been doing this work for many, many years, um, but we talked about the nervous system. So I think it'd be a good correlation just even to offset of like referral base. But on a side note, um, we we talked about some nervousness, but I, um, the nerves, the nervous system, mm-hmm. I want you to take and mention how I guess that could affect behavior. I know we mentioned like, yes, if we know if we're dysregulated, Maybe give, let's break it down this way even easier. A parent listening to this and like, yeah, Coach Franny, I gotcha. But same thing. If my, you know, like perfect example, me, Jace now has to start school an hour earlier. So I knew certain things unconsciously like, okay, well, he has to go to bed earlier because he has to wake up earlier. Like I'm trying to backtrack because I know he needs sleep. But some mornings he doesn't want to get up and it's the whole approach. And I'm like, dude, we have to go. And we've had those power struggles of like, I'm about to lose my, because we need to go. Yeah. And then I've stopped and I'm like, but why am I going so crazy? Okay, if he gets a tardy, like, what am I doing? Like, it's one of those things, but I'm conscious about it because I've talked to wonderful people like you. But for a mother listening to this who maybe hasn't heard it enough to say, maybe give some examples of what it would look like for a mother to be dysregulated and maybe things to know, if they're seeing challenging behaviors in their child of one to bring in a parenting coach, should it be, Hey, everyone should have one just as a therapist. Like talk to me about that when there's a need for a mom to say, okay, I need someone to step in and help me with this.
1: Yeah. So my rule of thumb is when life becomes unfunctional. Okay. So there is a lot of different ways to raise your children. There's a lot of different ways to get through the day, but if something becomes not functional for you or your child or your family, I think that's a good time to get some help. That might be when you do more of a one-on-one with a parent and family coach or a mental health therapist. Um, But I also believe that parents really can benefit from ongoing parent education. It doesn't always have to be coaching. We spend, as a society, billions of dollars on professional development and personal development. If you are a parent, please also invest in your parent development. It's another component of human development. Once you bring a child into the world or have accepted responsibility for a child in your life— it's important to learn developmentally about what they need and what you need. Yes. So so that's what I would say if something becomes not functional and that looks different it's subjective it's different for everybody and that goes back to listening to your gut again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um what does it look like for a parent to be dysregulated? Yeah. I'm I love the example that you just gave, right? So we start off our date, and we're like, it's a beautiful day. Maybe you just got up a couple minutes early so you can have a couple sips of your coffee without somebody calling your name or needing something, and birds are chirping. All of a sudden, you go into the room, and you go to wake up Jace, and he doesn't wake up, and you're like, I'll let him sleep minutes. And I'll try again. You walk back over, Chase, it's time to wake up. And you see that he's not going to get up. And now he's a- also giving you a little bit of pushback. There's that resistance there. Well, all of a sudden we just went from this beautiful, regulated.
0: Euphoric, right? Because we're state. obviously oh, It's going to be a yeah. great day. Yep.
1: Yes. And all of a sudden we are experiencing upset. And upset yeah. means that What's happening in front of us, we don't think it should be that way. So I always say, stop shooting on yourself and others. Should will get you nowhere. This is what is happening. But we become upset. So then we start to get emotive. We're having an emotional reaction. So we are starting that dysregulation process. And what's really happening in our nervous system is, We're not feeling regulated. So, different chemicals and electricity, it's pumping through this whole brain body system, trying to get us back into order. But there's chaos because it's trying to say, like, oh, why is this alarm going off inside? And why is this thought coming in this way? Why am I emoting like this all of a sudden? So, all this is going on. And now, all of a sudden, we're looking at the child and we're like, Hey buddy, you know you're gonna get a tardy, right? And a kid, and wh- what does a kindergarten know a kindergartner know from a tardy? Like, what does that even mean? And to us, we're like, well, if they think it's okay to be tardy now, then what's gonna happen when exactly. they have to work one day? What's gonna happen? And we go into this whole spiral. Next thing you know, we're like, wake up! And all of a sudden we're getting physical. Not that we're hurting our no, child, but we're picking them up and we're getting them out yes. and we're doing it in a way for survival, which means now we have gone down into our brainstem, we are in our fight or flight system, and we are not acting consciously. And we have gone into this automatic zone where we're literally trying to survive. But when you step out of it for a moment, and you kind of take a moment and laugh and say, okay, is it really going to be the end of the world if he gets a tardy today? We can handle it differently. But I think going into it, and this is like the proactive piece sure. that I've learned from collaborative, collaborative and proactive solutions. Maybe just talking to Jason, say, I know things have been different, but I'm noticing some mornings it's really hard for you to get up. Tell me about that.
0: It's crazy because when that same morning, it's so funny, I'm laughing in my mind because I'm like, oh, that's exactly what it was. And then he was like, no, I'm not putting on my pants. And I'm like, Uh if you don't put these (laughs) pants on. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, are we really going through this? Because then I think, fast forward, I'm like, I don't want him to start his day like this to go into school. I know this is coming from a place of not him trying to purposely disrespect me. He's going through his own stuff. So I, I literally walked out and I'm like, all right, Nicole, bring it back in. So we were calm. And then once we got into the car and we pulled up, he's like, mommy, I'm not ready to go in yet. And I said, I know, baby. And I just waited my heart yes. And I said, I know, baby. I said, mommy understands, but, and then this is, this is the proactiveness. And I'm so blessed with my podcast of having these conversations because then I also know, all right, let me let him look forward to something. Like I'm like, when mommy picks you up and we'll, you know, go to the park or do something to kind of let out. And he was like, okay. And he just waved, but he was like, yeah, I'm not ready yet. I said, I know, baby. I said, I know this is a lot. He looked at me and he goes, it is. I said, I wow. know. And that's just, he's not even
1: six. I know. I just want to actually say, celebrate him for a moment. The amount of self-awareness he has is incredible. And the language that he was able to put with it, that is a yeah. gift. Yeah. And I want to rewind for a moment about being proactive. So now that we know that Jace is having trouble getting sure. up some mornings, and that's just because we know his body is going through this new little pattern and he's trying sure. to adjust. Um but it could be something else. It could be something different. But the proactive piece is when we are not in the heat of the moment and we sit down and say, you know what? I know sometimes it's been hard it's been difficult for you to get up in the morning, tell me about that. And he might say, I'm still sleepy. He might say, I'm not ready yet. He might tell you a lot of information that's gonna give you an idea about his perspective. So we listen to all of his concerns. Sure. And we don't try to negate them. We don't try to teach him a lesson. We're just listening. Mm-hmm. And after we know we've heard all of his little concerns, and sometimes there's a way to ask questions sure. that help the child um, speak to their concerns but once we know all their concerns and we get the one that's really impacting them the most and you might say so out of the things you told me what's sure. making it the hardest then you get to say enter your concern for consideration mm-hmm. and it sounds like the thing is when i think we're going to be late to school i get worried mm-hmm. and you can let him know what's going on and then what let's say his concern is that he feels too sleepy to to get up and you are your concern is that you want to be on time. The invitation to problem solve then becomes, I wonder if there's a way we can do something about those mornings when you're feeling extra sleepy and getting to school on time. Yeah. What do you think we could do about that? And let him hear what he has to say. Kids have amazing solutions. Yes. They tell you great things. He might, you don't know. Yeah, I had one sure. time because sleepy heads in the morning is a big thing that we do in parent and family coaching. I literally had a like eight-year-old say that if his mother brought him a cafe con leche in the morning, that he would just smell it and he'll be fine. And that's what their solution was. And it worked. He didn't even want to drink it. He wanted to smell it. Okay. Okay. But you know what? Oh, wow. I'm not here to judge the solution. Absolutely. <laughs> no.
0: And no, and thank you for that. Thank you to walk through. Cause I'm sure anyone listening like is like, that's, I, I hear it. And now that I'm in it, it's only three weeks. I'm like, <laughs> I get it. So takes me to this second point of non-punitive discipline. So I think let's talk about misconceptions here for a minute, because I know that this exists. I know that this has been going on for 30 plus years our generations of parents before. It wasn't something we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have these wonderful podcasts that have these conversations. So you either knew or you didn't, or if you did, maybe thought it was foo-foo. What is non-punitive discipline? And maybe talk about the misconceptions of people thinking, well, geez, Coach Franny, you're telling me this, but how is he ever going to learn? Like you said, how is he going to turn into a responsible adult? Um, if I don't do this, I turned out fine. Um, does that mean that a child can do whatever they want to do?
1: It does not mean they can do whatever they want to do. Thank you so much for asking that and giving that lead in. That is the misconception that if you're using non-punitive, punitive means to punish. In our current society, a lot of people now say, well, then consequences, but they're really just using the word consequences as a synonym for punishment. They are not synonyms. A consequence is an effect. It's a cause and effect relationship. Punishment means you're shaming, blaming, or making somebody lose some kind of privilege. And it's usually not a privilege. What they're usually losing is their connection with us mommy's mad at you, or you're not going to get to come with us if you act like that. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're shaming, blaming, punishing, abandoning. And all of that can build, all those fear-based tactics can build a soldier that is willing to comply. I want to help develop children who are able to regulate and calm so, and I, and when we're parents, we're the ones that most must be the co-regulator. A child can never be more regulated than the adult that's in their charge. For sure. So, we're going to co-regulate. I'm going to help you learn to regulate. From there, we're going to connect. We're going to relate and connect. And from there, we both have access to the reasonable parts of our brain. So, I'm looking to help foster cooperation. Sure. And that's, again, coming back to that problem solving, talking about things proactively. When we notice that they're starting to become a reoccurring expectation that's not being met, we then call it an unsolved problem. And we work together as a team to figure out how we can solve it together.
0: And you had said something before I wrote a note here is when you were saying, um, when you were describing the morning and how like you're starting out and then all of a sudden things go haywire, we become fight or flight being the adult. But that's because we were never really taught these emotions to handle it. So then it just becomes a cycle of people who are running around that they do they shut down when they need to advocate for themselves they shut down when they need to stand up for themselves they can't have hot, hard conversations to ask for even a raise they can't they can't handle conflict resolution things that so backwards we teach when you're like an adult as a leadership Things, right? People spend, to your point, thousands of dollars to talk to, you know, I don't know, whatever leadership names I've said enough on here that I'm like, I probably should get paid for like advertising, <laughs> like mentioning their names, but you know, of like these, you know, the development things when they should start from childhood. That's in essence what you're talking about. All of these skill sets are things that people pay thousands of dollars for to become to manage teams that very yes. much correlate together. You're just saying it's something that should be taught from young so that they then have the proper tools to go through life, to handle conflict resolution with friends,
1: raise a leader. My favorite quote is, um, by Frederick Douglas. And it says it's easier to build. It's easier to build strong children than repair broken men. Yes. And I am a huge believer in that. And I also want to piggyback on something you said earlier when people are like, and I turned out fine. But just like you said, yes, people might be living their life and meeting some of the goals that they have. But when you're alone with yourself, what is your mental health? What is your ta- your self-talk? Are you your mentor or your tour mentor? Yes. And I can promise you that to this day, I'm still working on being my own mentor. Yes. And I have wonderful parents who did the very best they can, but they're very traditional. They're very old sure. school. And yes, I was a very compliant child. I was a super goody two-shoes that didn't serve me in my young adult life. I did not have a voice until I think Alex was born. Wow.
0: Yeah. Because then, yeah, I mean, think about it. Thank God. I mean, think about children who are then women, men that grow and, you know, develop these codependent relationships, toxic relationships. Um, same thing. I mean, I came from a great family. They did the best. I mean, I know my parents loved us and all the things, but when I look back at my first relationship seriously, it was such a toxic codependent thing. And, very compliant. I did not know how to stand up for myself. It wasn't until after that breakup that I found my voice and like, wait a minute, what was my responsibility in this of looking in the mirror. I'm like, Oh, I never advocated for myself. I never said, no, I don't like when you do that mm-hmm. because we were never taught to. So to your point, it all starts from now. So it it's so the way you put it, it was just so beautiful as we wind down or come, come kind of full close here. What advice do you have for parents raising a child with a learning attention or behavioral difference, not labeling good or bad. Um, I know parents struggle with it. Like we said, I think it's the shame, the embarrassment we might feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you get the phone call, all the things. What advice can you give to a parent who might be kind of going through that? Biters. I actually have someone I need to connect you with. I wrote down um, her son has been biting a lot and she's she's a teacher. and She's like, what am I doing? So I'll connect you with her. But yes, someone like that. Child's biting. All the things.
1: So I'm going to tell you The most wonderful piece of information that I've ever been given, it's from Dr. Ross Green, and it's so simple, yet very profound. All children do well if they can. Mm -hmm. Now, most people have this idea that all children do well if they want to. But Mm -hmm. can is about ability. Want to is about motivation. I've met many children who have challenging or concerning behavior who want to do better, who do not want to behave the way they are, but their skill set currently is not matching what they're hoping for and what everybody else around them is hoping for. So, understanding that we have to start looking at what are the lagging skills that this child is experiencing biters are lagging self regulation skills mm. we have to help those children with regulation we have to do it proactively we have to set up the environment to be more conducive to understanding what are those times where the biting occurs so that we can minimize them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because a lot of parents are like, well, I'm going to make them learn by forcing them more into the situation. Something that Dr. Green has researched empirically um, with his CPS is what he calls Plan C, Plan C is sometimes when we remove an expectation. So I'm not saying that we remove the expectation, let him just go, the kid go bite. But what, uh, being in um, an educator and also doing this work in classrooms, you know, a common time for children to bite in school, in preschool, is during unstructured times. Um, on the playground or during, you know, circle, time, circle time, time or centers. What if we remove the expectation of that child having to sit with the group for now? Alex, my son, he was a biter. He would bite at circle time every single day. And what When I spoke to him, what I finally realized, once I could get over all of the reactionary pieces and start responding to him, he told me, mommy, it's too loud. Mm -hmm. And he said, and I know if I bite Ella, then I get to go sit in the other chair by myself. No way. So he already knew what he needed to
0: as in a comic for that yeah
1: right and he and if some and if one of us would have just worked with him and been able to notice him and see what he was trying to achieve with through a, a lens of positive intent because no he's not trying to get away with not being mm-hmm. in the circle he's trying to make it so that he can participate and it doesn't bother his ears so i Forget where I'm going with all of this.
0: No, I think that was perfect advice. So basically to sum that up is, yeah. you know, you're like, you know, find out what the, what, I mean, and I know with a 15 month old and maybe some, it, it might be a little difficult, but understanding to your point, do the, do detective work, find out when is it happening? Is it their pattern? How can we break it down yeah. to really figure out what is causing what that challenge is? Yes. And I guess just the misconception, but I think you cleared it up of saying like, look, it's not, it's not the bad behavior. They're not good or bad. It's just, they're working with what they have. Yes. Um, and yes, I know my son definitely has, um, the, ver- the verbal skills, but my husband and I have, have definitely talked to him like he's a little grown up. So, uh-huh. um, he has that, but He has definitely told us of certain things of like, but mommy, I'm trying really hard to listen to you right now. And I said, I know you are, baby, Um, you know, and I can see it. He's like, I'm trying. It's just when I get upset, he goes, I just I want to yell. And I'm like, I understand. But I know not every kid has that. As we kind of end here, and I feel like I can always talk to you because you just have such great just great insight and and wisdom and knowledge of really breaking this down because I think it's so important that yes, all educators and all the things should know um, to raise that next generation, but how can people connect with you? How can people find you? And then yeah, your final thoughts as we end here.
1: Yeah. So I invite everybody to visit my website. It's be mindful I have an amazing membership. It's very affordable I put new content out every single Monday. I do little mini masterclasses. You can join them live or you can watch them later on in your own leisure. Some people prefer to listen to them as a podcast even. You can do that as well. And that is that parent education piece. I'm constantly trying to educate parents because one of the things that really... I learned from my experience was there's a lot of scare tactics out there and a lot of people trying to tell you all these like pitfalls that you can fall in. And I didn't feel educated at the time. And I was just listening to anybody who would listen to would talk to me. And I got a lot of wrong advice. Um, What I encourage parents to do is to Whether you join me for your parent education or somebody else, it doesn't matter. But get educated. Get educated on what is developmentally appropriate for your child. Some parents call me and they tell me, my kid is doing this, 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 and this. I'm like, oh, how old is your kid? This age? Oh. I say congratulations. I'm Jewish. I say Mazel Tov because guess what? Your kid is developmentally right on uh, right on cue. Good for you. Yeah. Be grateful that they just hit that milestone. Yeah. So I think that knowing what is developmentally appropriate, really learning to laugh a little, not take things so seriously, is the biggest piece of advice yeah. that I can give. When we get so focused in on something and so upset about something, we zone in on it, we hone in on it, we become very rigid, we're not flexible ourselves, so therefore we're not adaptable and we lose sight of other possibilities. Sometimes take a step back, just try and laugh and be like, wow, this is interesting. What are we supposed to learn from this? Sometimes what your kid is going through is really a lesson meant for you. So just taking that step back, laugh a little bit. Don't think take so many things so seriously. And all of a sudden, all these new possibilities show up and the child will feel the shift in your energy.
0: I love that. And I don't want to interject with that part. But for a mom listening, I know that that works. Because anytime I am more of that not taking that I'm taking things too seriously, I'm in a very like anxious moment is because I know I have unmet needs myself. Mm -hmm. I went to bed too late. Um, My day is starting. I didn't start with the, you know, with the euphoric, like, oh, I'm up early. I'm already cursing myself for starting out. And it just becomes a snowball effect. Um, So I know that that works because the times when I do take care of myself, I'm not checking my phone when I'm with him. That can get me aggravated due to maybe seeing something that I didn't want to see at the moment. I'm more stabilized. Um, so thank you for that because I know I know that that works. Yes. Um, thank you so much, uh, Coach Fernie, for coming on, for sharing such important information, your insightfulness. I cannot wait to connect you. Um, and yeah, continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village Podcast.